Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is a special spotlight episode, and it's uh, it, it, I'm really excited about it. We're Not only are we going to talk about uh, a comic that's kind of been in uh, development for a long time, but we're going to talk about a new platform that is debuting with the launch of this comic that's going to, I think, really change the way uh, a lot of creators look at uh, crowdfunding and having the opportunity to publish their own work um, and, and still maintain all those rights. So uh, I have the creative team for uh, South, uh, I'm sorry, Slow City Blues with me today. Uh, and I'm just gonna kind of go around the screen and, uh, and introduce everybody. We'll start with you, Sam, if you wanna uh, tell everybody who you are uh, and how you're involved with the project. Uh, just a quick intro for uh, our listeners. Yeah. Uh, hi, my name is Samuel Hain and I am the writer, creator, editor and financial overseer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And how about you, John? Uh, yes, my name is John Levesay and I'm my part on the comic. I was the inker and did inks and finishes over our penciler. And I also pretty much handled like kind of like maybe show running or I did the art. I uh, handled out wrangling all the artists and bringing all the talent. I brought in all the talent except for Sam. So all the cover artists, uh, the colorists, the letter production. So I kind of wrangled in all the talent. So you were the uh, the cat herder of the project. Yes. <laughs> trying to wrangle all those cats. <laughs> oh know, my how God. That, know how that could be. Yes. Uh, and, and how about you, Tish? Hi, I'm Artisha Man Cooper, and I am a story consultant. So I helped with the flow of the story. So you guys can enjoy it. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Uh, well, where, where do we want to start, Sam? Do we want to start with uh, talking about the story itself, or do you want to start by uh, talking about this sort of new platform that you're uh, helping launch that Slow City Blues is going to debut on? Wherever you want to start. Why don't we start with the boring business stuff, which is which is also exciting, but not as like pizzazzy, right? Right. Yeah. Let's let's go there first. And I, I do want to uh, let everybody know uh, this platform that we're about to talk about. Uh, it, it's a new crowdfunding platform. It's called Zoop. Uh, if you tune in tomorrow on a uh, special spotlight episode tomorrow, we're going to be talking with Jordan Plosky, who is the uh, CEO and founder of Zoop. So be sure you tune in for that one. There'll be a lot more details than we go into here today about the way Zoop is going to work. Uh, but uh Sam, why don't you tell everybody how you came to uh, choose using Zoop and what makes it different and more suited for you than doing something like Kickstarter or uh, or Indiegogo? Yeah, uh, it's a that's a great question because we actually had finished uh, or almost finished all five, so all five are done and in the can. All the covers are in. We're ready to go. Uh, we were looking for another publisher cause we couldn't, you know, COVID happened and we weren't able to like agree on a, on a release date. Uh, and so we were looking around and then John, who, of course, I always tease him. He's the mayor of town. Yeah. Uh, he just happened to hear through, uh, Brett Booth about, about Zoop and they're like, well, they're looking for people and they're looking for pros and they're looking for like high, like high profile books. Uh, cause that's what it is. It's this high, it's this like highly curated concierge service uh and so john got in contact with him and it it really was the best bang for our buck uh as far as logistically goes we don't have to give up any we don't have to give up any ownership 
or any property rights. We get to keep the majority of our money. And then they, you know, I, they asked me for a quote of like, well, give us a quote as the first one out of the gate of like what, like what you feel that we are. And so I gave them like the writer pithy quote of Zoop handles the hard work so pros can focus on the work they want to. Uh, they take the owl out of crowdfunding. And so it, it's, it's this fantastic platform where at least on the creator side of things, they handle, the, they help you handle the campaign, they handle the marketing, they handle the fulfillment, the distribution. And then after that, the long tail sales. So it's like anyone who didn't get in within those like 32, you know, 30, 32, whatever days can get it in like e-commerce afterward. Uh, but the great thing about it, at least on like our perspective, I mean, that is our perspective, but on the flip side of the coin, uh, for the customers, it's so, and Jordan will tell you this tomorrow, it's so easy. It's so, it's literally, it's point and click and it's one credit card. So there's no backer kit after a campaign. There's no like, oh, I got to use my credit card, my wife's credit card, my kid's credit card to get all of the variants or all the whatever you want. It's like, it, it's honestly like the Amazon prime of buying creator owned comics. It's just point and click, 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 click. There you go. You know, which which that was a huge uh, boon for us, and like such a great incentive to be like, well, we're gonna you're gonna change how this all works, and it's gonna and, you know, and we're it's a big splashy thing, kind of catered towards pros. Yeah, I think we will do. We'll take we'll roll these dice. Yeah, and it's, it's fantastic, and and uh, you know, again, we get into more detail with this with Jordan tomorrow. But yeah. um, the other great thing is, so if the campaign is not successful they don't get paid. They only get yeah. paid. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is really putting your money where your mouth is for yeah. the platform. They're saying, you know, whoever you are, you come, you, you're on our platform. We, we will do everything we can to get your project yes. over the finish line. Otherwise we don't make any money for our, for our work. Mm. So, uh, so I wanted to ask you, John, when you heard about this and you and I have, have spoken about this, about, you know, freeing yep. up that time, you know, rather than spending your time responding to, to questions that, that backers may have or, uh, you know, dealing with logistics with, you know, printers and marketing and trying to get your, uh, you know, your project out there, you, you guys need to spend time because it's not always the case, like uh, Slow City Blues, where you, you, you know, everything is done, all five issues yeah. are done. A lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, backers may be, or uh, I'm sorry, people that are, are putting their work out there, they may be trying to collect the funds. You know, if it's a writer, they need to pay their artist. Um, yep. And so that's where you start seeing the delay, right? Like you, they'll run the campaign to collect the funds and then they take those funds and they pay the creative team. And then they've still got to actually draw the, the pages. Right. Yeah. No. And we all that. know how long it takes to yeah. do that. Yeah. And it's hard to do that if you're do, juggling all these other things. And and don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love comic creators, but they're not always the best with marketing. Yeah. Like not everybody's great at everything. Right. So yeah. when you heard about this, did you right away think, yeah, this is going to be a great fit for us? Uh, yeah, like, you know, Sam had just said, it was just the randomness of, you know, my luck or just when I, I talked to everyone and I found out about it and I got, we, I got a meet, a meeting or a introduction the next day. And then the next day, Sam and I spoke to them and we hit it right off. And, you know, I, with doing crowdfunding, I mean, everybody seems it's a thing everybody can do, but I didn't want to just tell myself, well, gee whiz. I know how to do this just right. And you do all this. And when I had spoken to a lot of other people I know, and a lot of my friends who have done crowdfunding comics or that, you know, crowdfunding things, it was a lot of work. And everyone who knows it's a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And just, I had some friends like, man, if I do this again, I, I you know, it took me weeks to do all the 
packaging up and all the shipping and everything. So it just, you know, it's like, I'm, I can't do this again. So we are in a unique position where we're all done. I, we don't have to worry about drawing the last 40 pages or the last five pages or waiting for covers that come in. We're all done. But with anyone else who is in that situation, Zoop is going to be a huge, huge benefit to them because they don't have to worry about finding the best printer worrying about this do they have the like the good shipping rates are they going to be able to you know do this and this do they have time to market or i don't know how to make a, a page for all the stuff you know or do all the tiers and everything so like sam very perfectly said they take all the heavy lifting away so if you need to focus on drawing those pages you can put all your effort into that and not have to worry about all the other crazy hard work like it's a whole second job you know it's already hard enough drawing pages and it takes so long, you know, you're going to have a whole second job getting all, getting all the other stuff done when everything comes in. So, you know, it's, it's a big help. It, it's, it's a big, big help. And it's a big benefit for pros. And on the other hand, with all the fans and consumers that will be buying these comics and these products, it'll be easy. Like he said, it's just, it's so easy the way you can just add stuff in your little shopping cart and you just click, click, click. It's just, it's so it's, it's going to be great for both, both sides. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And and one last thing about Zoop here, and then we'll we'll transition to talking about um, the yeah. story. Uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to, to mention to you, Sam, is, you know, yeah. you are in a unique position having all five issues done and ready to go. Well, the other part of Zoop is that, you know, with Kickstarter, you've got to wait till the campaign has finished mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. everything has been fulfilled. Everything's been shipped out and then you can start another one. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things about when, when people find projects they love and it's like, man, I, I'm barely getting two issues a year yeah. uh, with Zoop that goes out the window. Like they, they because they control everything, they're doing everything for you guys, for the creator. They know mm -hmm. that, hey, we know where they are in the process. We know if we can go ahead and start another one. Like, is it ready? Obviously, they wouldn't want to yeah. start a second campaign for a second issue. If, if it is going to be that big delay, they wouldn't want that. Yes. Um, but it's perfect for you guys because. You know, as soon as you want, basically, you can start with the second issue or in the third or the fourth. So this can come out on a on a um, a more efficient basis. Are you taking advantage of that? I mean, this isn't going to be something where it's five issues. It's going to take two and a half years to come out, right? Actually, uh, I think you know what a, what a what a great segue. Where it's like we are we're doing all five all at once. So we're giving oh, the hardcover, mm -hmm. and we're doing yeah. we're doing like John calls it like a season one drop. Where it's like you can do it and it's like the tko version where you just you can get it in this writ we have this really nice uh slip covers for the floppies because we have slip all these amazing slipcase thank you uh for the for the floppies because we have all these amazing cover uh cover artists who came and contributed and then we'll have like a really nice slick uh hardcover so it's like you don't have to wait for you know even though issue one is a double-sized issue you don't have to wait you know two months six months a year like how you were saying for the next issue, you get the whole storyline that day, that time. Wow, yeah. that is fantastic. That is that's and issue two is double size as well. So you're getting oh, two double size issues and, and then three like bigger issues. issue three and four are regular yeah. size, and issue five is, is even like I think 26 pages. So you're getting a it's lot. like 30 something, yeah. yeah I, you know, I, have a problem. I have a problem. I have a problem. Well, that's the freedom of creator owned, right? Like, and, yeah. and self kind of self publishing, you can, you have the freedom to do that. Cause yeah, I did get a chance to read the first issue already and it is a huge chunk of story. And I have, 
I have some <laughs> questions. So uh, let's let's Thanks. get into that, Sam. Why don't you tell us what the uh, kind of the elevator pitch, what Slow City Blues is uh, is about, and then I, I want to talk to you, Tish, about uh, how you yes. came on the project and and your initial <laughs> thoughts about this crazy idea of Sam. So uh, so take it away, Sam. What's the elevator pitch for Slow City Blues? The elevator pitch is a detective becomes trapped in his imagination after a horrible accident, and he has to uh essentially clean up the city to try to find a way back to his family and that's the a whole stretch for the entire series i think for this first story arc uh it's it's a lot more honed in where it is uh the same thing a, a detective becomes trapped in his imagination after a horrible accident mm -hmm. uh he and his partner a six foot six smart ass talking skunk named move uh must solve a double homicide before a gang war threatens to destroy all of Slow City. So Tish, when uh, when Sam approached you and said, hey, I have this idea about this detective trapped in his own imagination and there's like anthropomorphic plants and, you know, giant skunks. What did you, or, or you be like, wait, what? What was your reaction? Well, I was just like, oh, I want to read that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what, what else can you say to that? But okay, I'll read it, you know? And it's it's just such an imaginative world. And it, it kind of like, if you grew up in the 90s like me, and you also love comic books, but you also love like World of Worlds, and you saw like a movie like Cool World back in the day, you're like, oh, yeah. like it's this person who is in this whole other world. And this world is like their imagination of the way that they see people and things. So, I mean, it's far from cool world, but the world in itself is a whole nother world that he's in, in his imagination. And it's, it's so imaginative and it's, you know, it's so many dynamics and cool things that happen, but it's also so many interpersonal things that'll be relatable to a lot of people. So I, I was just like, okay, I'll read this. Sure, Sam. <laughs> Well, I think, yeah, you bring up a good point there about how it's, it is relatable. You know, I mean, you, you hear this idea of, hey, trapped in your own uh, imagination and, you know, and he's this detective who's been through tragedy and right away it flips it, right? Because if you just hear, oh, yeah, like, it's a kid trapped in their own imagination that's probably like sunshines and unicorns and rainbows yeah. and, right. you know, this is not that at all, right, Sam? This is something where um, he's really, he's really struggling, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's trying to find not only his way out of his imagination, I think, but it, it seems like he's trying to find his way back to him himself. Like, how do how has this tragedy changed who I am? How do I yeah. now find a self identity? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely he's his like you said, his self identity, his ego, you know, not in the sense of like egotism, but his actual like Freudian Carl Jung ego has been shattered because of this, because of this mistake, because of this accident. Uh, and so it's about him trying to understand who he is as, you know, as, as a, as a, as a, as a white guy, as a guy, as a, you know, as, as a husband and son, as a police officer, as a human being, uh, and, mm -hmm. and trying to then, you know, figure out how to put that together, you know, put himself back together, uh, or if he even wants to put himself back together, or he thinks he's deserving of putting himself back together. And so it's a lot, you know, it, it, trying to get him from, you know, uh, self-flagellation and deprecation to this uh, proactive protagonist uh, and, and, and who wants to, you know, who wants to 
fix his outside life, but you know, he first then has to, you know, fix all of the chaos and all the things that are broken inside him. Cause that's, what's like in front of his face now. Uh, you know, and that was, that was definitely uh, he, like Tish was instrumental in that because if it wasn't for her, then our, you know, uh, I, I like to compare it. Uh, it has a touch of like Joe, the barbarian, right. Where like the kid is diabetic and he's going in and out of that, but it's very like the cell with that Jennifer yeah. Lopez and Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, but we, if, if, you know, if it wasn't for Tish, then uh, I don't think the world would be as sharp or as clean and the characters wouldn't be as like clear cut as they are. And I don't think that our intent or our impact would match our intent. Uh, and that was something that we really wanted to do. You know, we, we spoke about relatability and it's like, we're hoping that uh, I, I call it, uh, I call it the candy coated Trojan horse because it's, uh, you know, I think that it's one of those things that like talks to you instead of at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, it, yes, it's, yes, it's action packed. Yes. It's mysterious. Yeah, you know, yes, it's hilarious. Hilarious. I hope that I wrote some hilarious things in there. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I hope that you're like, this is this is this is wicked, and then you walk away with you know maybe a bit more empathy and a bit more introspection, you know, and and, and so that's that was kind of the goal of uh, having this character in this world. Yeah, because the, the other part of it is when we first meet him, he he, he it's not even necessarily clear that he wants to to get out you know to your point earlier it's like it feels like he's in this sort of purgatory and he deserves it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and so it's it's about that that journey as well um let me ask you john in in terms of like freedom for uh the artist obviously didn't do the the pencils you did the inks but uh, you can kind of speak to uh just the overall artwork in general how fun is it to have this world where, I mean, the sky's the limit on visuals, right? Or, or yep. crazy creatures that we can see because it's this guy's <laughs> imagination. And, and we get this big bar fight in the first issue with these uh, anthropomorphic plants, like I, like I said. Uh, as an artist, how fun is that to just be able to go crazy? Yeah, it was. And I, as you've seen, you, you've seen the issues. And I, my big thing is doing, I like doing textures and textures and different textures and everything. To, everything has to have a certain look and I got to do that since it was only technically one human in this vast amount of pages and everybody else was as you just little creatures, plants and skunks and everything else. So once I I had in my mind what I was like, all right, this is how I'm going to render this and this. And then like, you know, Sam would have another person that showed up with fur and I had to make sure the way I, I moved the lines, they had to look different, like moose little coarse, fur had to look different compared to the anyone else that showed up with that and i had certain i use a dip quill like i dip in ink so i had i knew like the way i have them laid out i had this quill was the one i used for moose hair and it was a very very old worn out nib where i could just go and i had like the guys the fly trap gang i wanted to make sure they their bodies looked like they were kind of they weren't like moving, but it wasn't standing still. So I kind of made the lines like I just would niche it and niche it and niche it. So it looked, you know, if you looked a little quicker, you could see maybe if they're kind of like moving, like the plants are still alive and they're just constantly growing. And they did when they had their stretching their arms, I wanted to make that look different. And even I was very specific about doing John's hair. I just finally got it down where I wanted to look like he barely ever washed it. He just kind of did that. Or maybe he even cut it with like, a razor blade or like dull, dull scissors. So it looked very coarse. And, you know, even like the fur on his jacket, I was very specific yeah. about what, and also consistency. That's 
a big thing with me when I look at comics. If you're rendering out something, I want it to look that way through the whole 22, 20 pages. So I don't want all of a sudden that color just, I don't know, it looks different because I was tired that day or whatever, you know, it just, I wanted to make sure and just, it looked like just, it was a super old bomber jacket that had that fake wool or, you know, fur the whatever and lambs lambs yeah lambs collar and it was very just worn in and dirt so i just i just did it and made sure i had the lighting hitting different ways where like you know if it had a little bend right there where the collar was you could feel that so i really wanted to make sure even like all his stubble the only thing it was a real pain and we just i'm really good at not forgetting stuff but that gosh darn wedding ring every (laughs) once in a while there'd be a panel and I just forget to do it. And, you know, Sean once in a blue moon forgot to throw it in and I would keep checking and checking and checking. And there was some panels were so tiny. I was like, if I put that in there, is it going to matter? So I just, and there was once or twice, I just totally forgot. So, you know, it was, uh, but I wanted to make sure everything looked great. You know, every, I, we had the time and just even like on that piece right behind you, you know, that was, I don't know. 65 different characters so i had to make sure they all had a different look yeah fantastic yeah and, and the art is gorgeous and and you do get a sense of the world through the the textures that you bring it's one of the most important yeah. parts of uh of inking uh but let me go to you tish and uh when we talk about this this story and and the relatability um with what you with what you guys finally ended up with as a final product and kind of exploring these ideas of self-identity and kind of being able to forgive yourself and, and those kind of things. Uh, how far do you think you, you all came from what uh, Sam initially showed you to where you are now? Do you feel like you guys really dialed it in? And was that uh, a challenge? Was it a back and forth between you and Sam? Or, or once you uh, came on board to, to kind of consult, did you guys kind of nail it right away? Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was kind of like a collaborative thing with me and Sam. We had a couple conversations about it. We had a couple um, thoughts about what direction we felt it it should go, it could go, and we talked about a couple different ways that it could end, you know. Um, but we wanted to be true to what the initial vision was, and we wanted to make sure that everybody could get something out of it. So we also didn't want to press our opinions. <laughs> on what we thought that it should be. We wanted people to read it and then imagine what they think it should be. Um, and that was always, that was also a really tough thing for us as well, because we wanted to say something specific without saying, this is how you should think. Um, and so Sam and I had a lot of conversations about yeah. how we could do that. We took things out, we added things, we changed things, we changed like little details and, and, um, you know, we went back and forth about, well, what do you think people would think about this? I, I don't know if we took out some of the drawings, but we might have, we might have. We, we yeah. shifted, we shifted things around because yeah. the way that it originally stood didn't get it definitely turned a lot of people off in the beginning and it was like yeah. trying to front load what essentially was this big reveal. And then Tish kind of can't, you know, Tish was like this, this n- no, like you got to put the, this is, this is the goods that may or may that, that will cause a feeling, you know, a, right. a, 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 whatever that may be, 
you got to put that at the end. And so it's like the, yeah. you know, so it's like the fact that it opens how it does and the story progresses how it is, is because of Tish. And it, it's an emotion, it's an emotional journey, you know? Um, and I definitely feel that you have to be able to invest in that in order to get to the end of it. And um, it definitely, <laughs> when you all read it, you can see, you'll see like, if you were started out with the end, which was originally the beginning, you know, it would have, uh, some people would have lost interest because they wouldn't be able to find follow the emotional journey of the character and where he was going, you would have started with where he ended. And, I, and that's just you know my opinion. But I, I when I initially read it, and there's some there are some other things in there too. But when I initially read it, I said, okay, well, do I really want to continue following you? I curiosity, or do I really want to be invested in what your journey is? You know, as this character, and also your Part, we, you know, we talked about like the partner and that dynamic, you know, like there, there were so many things that make up this world and we didn't want to lose that for at the beginning of the comic. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for getting a chance to know these characters and and having a chance to kind of care about their their journey. Right. Like if you just hit us with the emotion first, it's like, OK, cool you know, cool story beat or whatever. But if, we, yeah. if we're not invested, like, like Tish said, are we going to keep, you know, we're going to continue to, to read their story. Um, mm -hmm. So when you, you know, when we talk about the ending, obviously this, this sort of big event uh, that then leads into to season two, um, did you basically, Sam, did you basically just flip it around? The, the, what was at the beginning is at the end and was at the end was at the beginning or was, was it moving that emotional story beat to the end and then kind of, coming up with a new a new beginning of the journey to, to get us there it i i it was uh there were two big because you read the first issue and so that right. first page is actually page four or five or six and so there's a big chunk in the beginning uh that you know like what tish and i just talked about we had to move to the end so it wasn't like we moved the denouement like we like put in a new one and it, we had, we had like, cause it's like, we have the climax, the denouement, and then we have the epilogue at the very end of the fifth issue that helped leads us into the, the next storyline. But we took those first handful of opening pages and without, like, like Tish said, without context, you, you know, and like how you had said like, oh, cool story beat, but it's like, we feel like we would have lost some people because there was no context and because we didn't, under, mm -hmm. we didn't empathize with these characters. Uh, so, you know, having Tish come in and go like, no, you got to move that to the back because that's how they're going to care. And that's how it's going to be so impactful. And that's how this, this, how this like very pivotal beat is going to land properly. We just had to like shift that around. And so we still had two very punchy, uh, explosive, like, uh, eye catching, uh, story beats one after the other. Mm -hmm. And so we just kept, we kept the latter, which ends up being the first page of the whole book. Uh, of the whole series and then we move that last one you know to the denouement gotcha. or the, yeah. Yeah, climax. So basically just yeah moving it to the end and just shifting everything else forward yeah yes but, uh, let me ask and, you Don, when it, oh sorry did you have something else to add tish yeah i mean also it's just like the the journey itself um what i felt felt when i um read completed after we made all the change the journey itself is something where I feel like um, 
you know, anybody who's ever had, you know, or ever made like a mistake in their life or anybody's ever, who's ever like felt like um, that the mistake that they made in their life was so big that it's so unforgivable, you know, and they have put themselves in positions like that. That's where you're going to find a commonality with this character, you know? Um, and I wanted people to feel that way with this character. I didn't want them to, and ex especially how, you know, how easy it is to judge individuals in the real world, let alone <laughs> in, a, in a comic book. So I, I definitely feel that from that perspective, it's just one of those things where anybody will understand what it is to put yourself in self-purgatory. Um, and that's the journey that we, we need to see first before we get to all of the crazy stuff and the big events. Um, so that was really important for me to see because, you know, I wanted to make sure that people got that, got that from this character. So yeah, I, I, I think the idea of regret which is really kind of what we're talking mm -hmm. about is kind of universal, yeah. you know, whether yeah. it's a small regret yeah. or a big, huge regret, we all, exactly. have, uh, you know, if we could go back and talk to our high school selves, you know, we'd be like, listen <laughs> yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when we're Turn left, turn left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> buy buy uh, Google stock. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but when, we, when we're talking about trying to get across this, this emotion and, and this sort of, uh, you know, these important story beats, John, as uh, approaching a, a project like this from an artistic standpoint, how important is it to to understand and, and be privy to the, the whole story process and that journey so that you can then set the right mood? Because when we start talking about uh, inking, it very much does help to kind of establish the mood. Is this going to be a dark book? Is it going to be a bright book? Am I going to use clean lines? Am I going to be, you know, a little more scritchy with textures and that kind of thing? How important is it for you to, to understand, you know, it's this, and I, I'll remind our listeners again, inking is not tracing, you know, it's, it's so additive yeah. to, you know, whatever emotion the artist is putting in their line work, the penciler is putting in their line work. And uh, I, I would think it's really important to understand, uh, you know, over the overall tone of the story. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's more of a Sean um, answer, but a little bit with me. So what I would make sure and do is that, like you said, with the, you know, doing the mood, if it's a tense scene, if we've got some, some rendering on, in the background or on the wall, it's just how light you're going to do it and really make the, the energy flow off that way. And mostly it's with the lighting on the faces. That's it. If you're really going to get that expression going, what is happening in that scene or in that moment or mostly in that page, you got to get those eyes down. You got to get the eyebrows right. You yeah. got to make sure that, you know, there's not too much. I, I remember there was one panel. I don't know. It just was, I was maybe too tired that night. It wasn't going great. And I just got way too heavy rendering out the, the cheekbone right here. And like, you know, I went to bed and I wake up the next day. I was like, we did a whole patch for that face it looks 10 times better so i just i took that all out and i just did a little bit and you know i kind of did a little negative stuff in his stubble but you gotta really it's it he's kind of turning his head back and looking you get that little subtle one eye so it's all in it's on the expressions and faces which sean did all the heavy lifting i'm just there to i'm just there to i can see it all which 
you know, the average reader wouldn't be able. I have to pull it all out and then make sure it's very clear. And, you know, it depends what sort of inking you're doing. It's like you said, if you want to do clean or it's a little fuzzy or, you know, messy, which that's not a negative term, but there's different guys. Like, I wish I could do messy stuff. I just, for the life of me, I can't. I'm just way too slick and precise, which I, it's very upsetting to me. I'd love to do like just a real, see those guys like they like St. Kevin just right, we'll do it. And it's just, man, there's so much energy and I can't pull that off. But, but don't take what he says with a grain of salt because he's so humble. He honestly, he brought it to life. So not only did he take Sean, what Sean did and really bring it to life, how you said, Jace, where it's, he's bringing texture, he's bringing life, he's filling it in. He's giving it that three-dimensionality, but he's also bringing, and he, I think John is full of it. He, he brings a lot of grit to it. Yes, it's a very clean and methodical style, but he allows like the grit that he brings to it then helps speak to the tone and the themes and the stories when we're, you know, when we're doing like the, the actual detective work uh, and it allows Dave to go big and bright, bold and very colorful. So it yeah. creates that nice juxtaposition where you're mm-hmm. like, I, this is, this is a, this is a detective story. What? What? But it's also this candy-coated world, so it helps really ground us in the uh, in the genre. But we get to then like have Adventure Time Land brightness, you know. So it's it's John's inks that really make it a noir. Right. Yeah, I wasn't gonna let John get away with that. I'm glad you no. called that. I was like, John. John brings so much energy, <laughs> so much energy so, to his yeah. inks, but it's just in a different way, you know. Like somebody like. Sinkevich, that's a that's a, a dark energy, you know. Whereas John's energy is more, you know, how you you you'll watch one uh, kind of future movie that's set in the future, and it's like a you know dystopian and post apocalyptic, and it's it's kind of dark, mm-hmm. but it's still the future. John's is like the Star Trek future, where everything's bright and clean, everything worked out. Yeah, yeah and, and, and if I got to choose between which of those futures I live in, I'm going with John's future, where everything's bright and clean and. I can go to a, you know, a food, you know, creation machine, you know, yeah. uh, and, and just say, hey, I want chocolate cake and it appears in front of me. That's way better than scavenging you, for radioactive animals to eat yeah. out in the, the desert wasteland. So I would <laughs> I would maybe classify the Sienkiewicz inking just what I would say. It's like it's like a mystical energy because it's just yeah. so that's a good mm-hmm. uh, when dark, I look at originals, crystal. It, when I look at some of those originals when I've gone to conventions and it's just like, man, how's he doing that? I was like, you know, it's just, it's just so energetic. You have to just keep moving along the page. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's so crazy looking at stuff and it's, it, it's very humbling. So it, it, I like what I can do. That's swell, but it's, it's so nice to see stuff I can't do. And that's what I enjoy more when I get certain books. Like, oh, man, I, I can't pull that off. So I got to keep looking at it. Yeah. Well, take the compliment. Artist. Oh, go ahead, Sam. I was gonna say, just take the compliment, John. <laughs> All right, <laughs> who's next? Yeah, let's get well, that, I mean, that's the other part of it, right? As an artist, you always want to continue to to evolve and learn. So maybe you know, maybe you'll you'll get there someday. If, if... It took me so long to get John's hair right, and that was my biggest annoyance. Is like, I just I, I had a handful of panels, and I would text Sam a shot. I was like, I think this was right, and they like it was after like you know. 80 pages. I was like, I think if I got that right. Yeah, I think there was like one page where he's like, the hair is perfect. That's it. Hair's perfect. It was like, but it was like, we're a hundred, you're 120 pages into this. 
Finally. Now you're satisfied. <laughs> you, Jace, did you see? Did you see the Pat Olaf cover with the fence? No, haven't. Okay, seen. well, there's this. I, I'll text it to you. But there's this crazy, massive chain link fence behind John, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, that fence! That fence!" I was like, "No, no, no! I finally got the hair right. Look, it's it's <laughs> this big. Look, it's right there. I finally got I finally got the lighting on his um whatever you call crown right. I go, that's the one." And nobody, nobody wanted to look at that. No, 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 everybody was pulled in by the the fence. Yes, of the fence. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk. You know, he uh, he wasn't able to join us, but let's talk a little bit about uh, about Sean's pencils, uh, yeah. Sam. Uh, how did yeah. How did he become involved in in the project? Did you think it was he somebody you knew before? He thought of him right away. Like this was perfect for him. Give give us an idea of how that went down. That we <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's definitely a John answer because we had gone through a handful, but he. He knows Sean. He's the he he was the artist coordinator on this. He was the cat wrangler, uh, and so it was like I I you know like I somehow found I found some money to help pay people what they were worth, and then I was like I have some. Can you can you do something with this, John? And John's like, yeah, you yeah, yeah dummy, just give me hold on. And so John was so, the one found Sean. All right, John, give us the the. Detail. I we had gone through a few people and just you know whatever it just wasn't working out so. I was on the hunt looking for more guys and luckily I know everybody and I got wind that Sean was looking for something. And um, weirdly enough, he and I had worked together one time before, which I completely forgot about. And we worked on the short um, little story. It was a what if issue, like what if Venom possessed Deadpool? And it was a ridiculous deadline. It was super fast. I just was burning through the pages and he was doing the same thing. And, you know, it's out the door. That's it. And so years later, now we're, he's like, oh yeah. I was like, oh yeah, we did do that. So we talked for a while. He seemed interested. I sent him the whole story for the five issues and Sam had written and he read it. He really liked it. And I was like, look, man, I go, you know, I know what you're doing, what you're doing. And at that point, I was not going to do, be involved in any of the artwork. I was just going to be the showrunner, handling, wrangling everybody. But we had, you know, time was, you know, time keeps moving. So we had lost a lot of time, you know, trying to find someone and replacing people. So I was like, look, I'll just, I'll just think it. Cause it's going to be too, I'm going to be too annoying and too particular about every single line that gets put down and whoever is doing it will just quit anyways. Cause I will be critiquing it nonstop. And it, it, that's just not worth the aggravation and making that person feel anger towards me. So I was like, you know what, I'll just do it. Fine. Forget it. So um, it worked out and, we had a whole ton of pages done. We brought David on and, you know, he did his color magic and that was it. <laughs> yeah. And the color, the colors are really so, so important, you know, yeah, because yeah. We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, getting that, getting that tone. Right. And, and what's interesting, even in the first issue, it's like, there's, there's several tones there. It's a very mm-hmm. emotional book, but it's not like it, it's always angsty. You know, there is that humor that you talked about, Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, D- David's been around forever. He's he also much like John has worked with everybody and he's so yeah. he's so talented. And if you look at some of his work, he'll do something like um, <clears throat> the Eternity series he did over at Valiant, where the colors are, you know, really bright, crazy kind of cosmic stuff. But then he'll go over and do uh, an issue of Batman uh-huh. where uh, everything is sort of, you know, dark and, and moody and, and whatnot. And so. Uh, oh, hold hold on a second, everybody. Uh, Tish has. Uh, okay. 
So yeah, yeah I want I want to give her a chance to uh, to let our listeners know anything um, that she wants to uh, to throw out here as, as kind of some closing she's, comments. And she's and of a course, big old producer. And she's yeah. got to go do a production. Yeah. Meeting. Yep. Yeah. Thank, so, thank her for for joining us as well. What what I would like to say about this too is that I I really want people to see the human side of the story, um, the human relatable side of the story, and. You, there's been so much just like 10 years of work on this project so it's been very well thought out the work has been put into it the artists who are committed have put the work into it sam is so fantastic and so brilliant in oh. the way that he put this story together no you are you, you are and it's so important to tell a story like this which um which is about regrets which is about regrets and it, and we all been through COVID, so I know all you guys are out there self-reflecting about your life, <laughs> what you've been, what you've been dealing with, the people that you've been dealing with, the mistakes that you've made. So it it is it is that story. It is that story. So um, I just hope everyone enjoys it, and we really, you know, we tried our best, people. Yeah, <laughs> we gave it our best shot. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks again for your time, Tish. Uh, Thank you, Tish. To have you. Thank you. Yeah, and also shout out to Mike Manning out there. Oh yes. Yep. Say, and if, I, and if it wasn't yes. for yep, if it wasn't for my producing partner Mike, I wouldn't have met John. I wouldn't have met Tish. So he yeah. is like the he's like the you know he's like the Wizard of Oz behind his curtain. So it's like <laughs> all of this other it? stuff. The, they call them uh, like the thread or something, right? What do they call it these days? Like the kids have stuff. I don't know why oh, I'm saying kids. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know kid lingo. I don't know. I don't John, know. They the call it lingo? something. I, the plug. My, they call it the, the plug. plug. The plug. Yeah, yep. That's what they call it. They call it the plug. That's what the kids call it. I'm very out of it. I have. <laughs> yeah, I just I just learned that recently. So guys, don't hate on me because I'm just learning this. But Mike is the plug. Mike's the plug. Yeah. We'll get him a shirt. We'll get him a shirt. <laughs> Says the yeah, plug. Yeah. The plug. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. Thanks. Take care. Tish. Bye, Tish. See ya. Thank Bye. you. All right. So uh, I think we were talking about uh, Dave's colors. You know, we're yes. mentioning his, uh, kind of the, the versatile nature of, of his, his talent. And um, I, I think he was the perfect color artist to bring on onto this kind of book because you know like i said on that eternity which is you know real psychedelic and cosmic or whatever and he goes mm. right and and insane but then on a batman book that he does it, you know it's dark and moody uh your story sam needs to be both <laughs> so oh, yeah. did you was he somebody john that that you had in mind right away when you like okay who's going to color this crazy world um well it just kind of I don't know, fell into place or worked out. I've known Dave for quite a while. We had worked in a couple books together and he actually doesn't live that far from me. So, you know, we've hung out a time or two and it just was kismet or whatever. Like when we were at New York Comic Con in 2019, Sam had come with me and we we're in Artist Alley and David had talked to me beforehand. I was like, hey, let's get our tables together so we can help each other out and watch them. And then we ended up, you know, getting an Airbnb together. So Sam got to hang out with him the whole four days and really see his stuff. And when it came up, I was like, Sam's like, when do we get there? I was like, I guess if I have no idea if his schedule permitted and That's luckily good. it did. And he was, you know, he's a super pro. So anytime he told us like, well, I'm going to be done on this day, 
And Sam was like, I don't know. Is he going to be able to get it done? Is he, and he'd always at least have it done a good three, four, five days early. So I was like, it'll be fine. But yeah, it looked great. And there was one nice surprise. And again, you haven't seen the covers, but um, the, we had a Randy Green cover, which was one of the only images or pieces that was mostly just black. It wasn't all the line work that I did. It was generally like, what, Sam, 90% black. And in the background behind him, Dave did this awesome blue, like this very light sky mixed with like powder blue and the logo is white and it might be the most popping cover of all the ones we have. I mean, you can see it like all the way. And I, it took me a long time to actually see it because it was in the Dropbox, which is mine, but I got somehow locked out of it for a year and David just kept forgetting to text me the picture. So when I finally saw it like a couple months ago, I was like, Holy, it was just was so yeah. nice looking. It was so different. I never, ever, ever would have thought of that color choice for the background, but it's so amazing. Let's say the work that Dave has done, and especially on the covers too, it's, we have an insane cover lineup. I know, JC, you have the list, uh, and we can, we can talk about it because this will be the seventh and the book is out, uh, so we can, we can talk about it. But that went from, that was my favorite cover, that, that Randy cover, you know, not to, uh, say that everyone else's covers weren't amazing because they absolutely are, but just how striking it was uh, is everyone kind of, you know, gravitated to that cover, which is, you know, such a cool thing to have uh, having it be such a simple cover and having Dave do what he did. Uh, it was just like, like elegance in his simplicity. Okay. And if there's one thing, as Sam said, I, 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 I never brag about anything, but I will brag that nobody will be able to beat us on this cover lineup. I mean, it, I, I will put this up against any creator on the book. It is not possible to beat the A-list dudes we have. Yeah. John called possible. in all the favors. It's not possible. So. Yeah, it is It is pretty fantastic when I, uh, you know, I got the, from the uh, Paul, the PR guy, and he sent me uh, all the info. And, and I had talked to John before, and, and he had told me, yeah, you wait till you see this cover lineup. And hey, know, what did I say? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I, and I, I, it wasn't that I didn't believe you, John, but, you know, you, you hear this, but, oh, we got some great cover artists. And yeah. That's exactly yeah. when I would see stuff on Twitter, like, man, you guys, I wish I could show this to you right now, but I just got this piece in and it just, it's melting my inbox. And I was thinking, I was like, Hmm, when we had gotten any of these in, I was going to just walk outside my house and see if the whole neighborhood burnt down. You know, I mean, exactly. I, I, I can't say, I can't say, I couldn't say any of that stuff back then, but I was like, it is unfathomable that we got, and even like, I knew I'm friends with like half of the guys, but the other ones I didn't know. I just cold emailed them and I was only expecting no's, especially when you have to tell them, oh yeah. And there's this like almost seven foot skunk. So I was only expecting people to say no, but Weirdly enough, a few of the pieces might be some of the best things to date these guys have done for such unique subject matter. I mean, a couple of them, I was like, this is probably the best. Like one of the guys we got in the last cover we got, and I think it might be his best piece ever. We can say the name. It's oh, the yeah. Seventh. Everyone can go see it. Yeah, the Doug Monkey cover we got might be the best thing he's ever done. It is phenomenally awesome. Well, I think, you know, when you tell him, hey, you're going to have a chance to draw – I mean, you tell them what the story idea is, right? You're living in this guy's imagination. Immediately, as I have to imagine as an artist, you're thinking, well, I can draw anything I want, you know, yeah. seven foot skunk, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
and yeah, just just fantastic. But yeah, to go back to the, the earlier point about you'll hear people on the campaign saying, hey, we got some really good cover artists and there'll be one or two guys that are maybe just one that are like a really known name. And then not to say maybe the they're kind of known. Let's let's not exaggerate yeah. stuff. Right. Maybe they're kind of known. And it's not to say that the the cover no. the, the covers don't look good either. No. But it's not you're not getting a lineup like this where every single guy is like, oh my God, oh my God. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read off the list here of, <laughs> yeah. of cover artists to put Sam out of his. He's like, we can talk about it. Let's name off this murderer's row. Let's talk about it. Uh, and then you guys can kind of, uh, if you have any comments on any specific covers beyond uh, Doug's. So we've got David Finch, Paul Pope. Oh, there it is right there. Jace, there's the wow. Finch cover. Wow. And that's one of the Flytrap gang, the anthropomorphic yeah. yep. but behind them. That right. is fantastic. <laughs> uh, so we, we also have Paul Pope, uh, Derek Chu, uh, Doug Monkey, which uh, John already mentioned, Brett Booth, Julian uh, Tatino, Tedesco. Yeah, Julian Tedesco Tatino. Julian, Julian Tatino Tedesco. Apologies for that. Uh, Francesco Matina. Yep. Yasmin Putri, Howard Porter, <laughs> Philip Tan. No, I'm not done yet, guys. There's more. <laughs> Harry Nord, Pat Olaf, and Randy Green. Uh, and, and there's the Pope cover that he yeah. he went and bought the original and didn't tell me. <laughs> yeah, that's the one you were telling me about, John. Uh, yeah, that is that looks like uh, a couple guys on vacation at their their favorite bar. Just here's uh, the fence. Just hanging uh, out. The... Yeah, that is. Oh, that's awesome. look how nice that hair is. Yeah, the hair looks great. <laughs> oh my god, fantastic! But the. Uh... But John really called in all John really called in all the favors. And like he said, the people he didn't know knew him. And I always tease him. I call him the mayor of town. But honestly, everybody loves Levisay. No, I'm no. pretty sure a couple of the guys had no idea who are. I just am, I, I know how to talk to artists. So I like again with that too. Francisco Matina and um, Tedesco and Yasmin. There, there's no way, you know, I'm just some little anchor. There's no way they would have known who I am. So I just worked out that they did it and the tedesco cover he's prop jason you say he's probably like one of the top three painters in comics right now stuff's incredible easily. yeah easily yeah and uh, his cover is amazing like just mm -hmm. the little like, for as small as john is in that piece you can see he's so much tood in his face it's it's awesome yeah it's uh and so everybody you can go to zoop.gg uh, that's the website for Zoop. You can go there. You can check out the campaign. It's live right now uh, as we're as we're yes. talking. Uh, or so uh, wearezoop.com. Yep, wearezoop.com. Yeah. Yep, as well. And uh, again, you can get in on the ground floor. Um, check it out. Check out, uh, as Sam said right at the top, how different it is as opposed to Kickstarter with the tiers. This is just kind of a point-and-click cart system. Put in what you want. You're not charged until it's just like Kickstarter. It's uh, It's all or nothing. So unless the, the campaign is fulfilled, you're not uh, you're not charged anything. So it's and new... today and tomorrow we're having amazing early bird specials on a on a few of the items. So you're you can only really take advantage of it. There's there's I all the the products and stuff. I really I'm a big big collector and comics fan. So I wanted to make sure it was very appealing to every whether you're just you know a fan. If you want stuff for your shelf or if you want to, if you like to bag and board your floppies or get them graded you're going to have some very nice stuff to look at. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, 
John, because yeah, we, we had a conversation about that as well. Uh, John's a, a huge uh, comic collector. If anybody listened <laughs> to our, our episode last week when John came on and talked about his, uh, his comic collection and his original art and just his, his love of comics, um, you know, you'll know that he, he mentioned specifically choosing uh, other items to put in beyond the books that people are really going to want. So uh, again, I really encourage everybody just go and check out the campaign. Um, and I, I have a hard time believing you're not going to be sucked in just like I, when I, when John first approached me and said, Hey, I got this project. We want to come on and talk about it. And he said, yeah, this detective's trapped in his own imagination. I'm like, I, just like Tish, I want to read that story. Right? Uh, like who wouldn't. Right. And, and, you know, then the whole, because that's a great thing about comics and a story like this. Um, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, Sam, as we're finishing mm -hmm. up here. It's, it's the fun and the craziness and the gorgeous art and the wonderful idea that sucks you in that's on the surface and you can read it and enjoy it like that. But if you want to dive in deeper and, and think about it more and kind of ruminate on the idea of how it relates to you with regret and self-identity, that's all there too. And that, I think that's a great thing about comics that you can have those yeah. stories that have multiple levels, right? Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's, it's all about, at least for me, you know, it's like if I was going to go in and, and, want to talk about something and I really use this story because it's like he's having to then figure out how who he is and you know he kind of he doesn't look like me he's much more handsome but like at least on the surface like straight cis white guy where it was like I'm growing as a human it's about his growing you know but it's like you can't just talk about that because then that's boring and then it's like required reading and you're talking at somebody as opposed to to somebody and no one wants to even be talked to have that conversation because that's yeah. That's a call that can be a conversation, but it's like if you, you know, if, if you kind of candy coat it and make it nice, I, I compare it to uh, like the 40 year old virgin, right? So, like, that movie was like it's a really interesting and like intimate take, like a nice take on like intimacy and romance, but it's covered in, you know, it's just like it's dick jokes or like, or, or like, you know, hilarious pieces or him getting his chest waxed, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, this is so funny, but also. That, that makes me think you know so it's like that was that was it sort of like you're you're right where it's like it has to have layers otherwise it's going to be it's going to be you know cotton candy and it's like you it's one and done and you don't want to reread it or you're not as invested and you know and you tune out and we've they've poured years and years and years of work into this the art team and so i wanted to make sure that we were telling a story that just wasn't you didn't kind of glide through yeah, well, it ends up being forgettable, right? It's yeah. something you think about later. So, uh, but I will, I will remind everybody, uh, as I always do, uh, when we're talking about these crowdfunding projects, that even if it's not for you, even if you go and check it out and decide it's not, which I, I can't have a hard time believing any any comic fan would, because it's such a great idea and such gorgeous art. Um, please just share it on social media. Um, you, you know, maybe you don't have, maybe you, it is for you, but you don't have the funds right now, and, and that's okay. And and that's another great thing about Zoop how even when the initial campaign's over, you'll still be able to, to get the yep. book. So maybe- And we have a very nice PDF, like a low price PDF. Yep. Yeah, and maybe you can you can come back later or, or what yep. have you, but um, you definitely we definitely wanna get as many eyes on this as possible. So anybody that, that does have the means and does wanna be part of it can uh, can get in on the ground floor. And, and as John said earlier, you know, you got the early bird specials for the couple of, uh, of first days. So you definitely wanna try to take advantage of that. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is great is I really think, you know, in talking to Jordan and I'll remind everybody again, tomorrow's episode, we'll go into more detail on this. I think Zoop is going to become this community of, of places where 
you know, comic fans go like, Hey, let me go check out Zoop every few days to see what's coming down, you know, the pipe, what new projects there may be. It's really going to become a community and you can, you know, become part of that community right from the start by backing um, slow city blues and be becoming part of it. And, you know, there's always that collector mentality of comic readers where they, they, you know, they want to say, Hey, I was, I was one of the first, you know, I got one of the copies or I was, Hey, I was at Zoop at the beginning. I look, here's my slow city blues with all the special, you know, uh, Zoop exclusive whatnot. So you, you have a chance to be part of something that is really, I think going to going to take off and, and really sort of change the way creators look at crowdfunding. So uh, I really think everybody just at least go to the page and, and check it out because I think it's really worth your time. So uh, as we're winding up here, Sam, any last mm-hmm. thoughts for our uh, listeners? Uh, I, I mean, to speak on what you had just said, to getting it on the ground floor. And yes, we, any way you can support it, we would love to support, you know, we would love to have you uh, as a part of our early bird special too, as a part of that, you know, uh, to talk to that men- collector mentality. Uh, the Dave, I don't know if this is video or if this is just- It's gonna be uh, both. Okay, cool. So uh, if you're watching the video, then the Finch cover that John just showed us and he's holding up again, that is going to be our black and white virgin special edition variant. That's only going to be offered for the early bird special. So for the first 48 hours, so you can grab that. Uh, if you're listening to this on radio, all of those things I just said, but go to the website and check out how awesome that cover is. Uh, and then please, uh, you know, like Jason said, uh, tag us share it uh we're both on twitter and uh instagram at s uh, at scb comics so plural at scb comics uh you can check out all of the uh, all of the posts we have kind of leading up to everything and all of the teases and you know all, all of the you know amazing uh press that we get to, got to do like hang out you know jace was nice enough to let us hang out with him uh so you can find that there too yeah, and how about you, John? Any last thoughts as we're closing up? Here? Um, yeah, and I think you and I had spoke about this uh, before, where comic readers and fans are the most particular people when it comes to what they like, what their artwork they like. So with with that in mind, when picking out these guys for the covers, there's something for everyone. There's, you know, I made sure we have a, a vast array of different styles and different this. So there's you know, you might might not take this guy that much or you might be tired, but there's something, they're so good, you cannot like them and there's going to be something for everyone for the covers. So you'll be able to really just feast your eyes on how amazing everything is. Yeah. So, and, you know, all, all the work that went into the interiors, you know, I, I, I put a zillion percent in the every page and all the, you know, I know how it is. I go to the shop every Wednesday. I, I buy anywhere. I buy a bunch of books. I don't know. I bought like, I got my stack right there. I think I bought six books a couple of days ago when it was Wednesday. And I know what it's like, you know, p- putting that money down and I want to make sure you're really getting your money's worth when you're buying this stuff, you know, issue one and two are just about double sized. And the next two are regular size. And the fifth issue is double size again. Oh, yeah, it's like about 26. I think it's about 26 pages. So you're really getting your money's worth. Yeah. Um, and you can reach me if you, I like Jason just mentioned, I post a lot of my art and books from my collection and I'll be posting more shots and panels from Slow City and you can ask me whatever you want. Like if you're curious about what tools I used or anything about, you know, the artwork in general, you can, or you can hit Sean up as well. Uh, my Twitter handle is the number one, John Levesay. 
So at one John Levison. Yeah, and I'll put a uh, I'll put a link, everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'll put a link uh, to John's Twitter in the show notes, as well as a link to the Slow City Blues Twitter, uh, and also there obviously there's a link there to the campaign zoop.gg page uh, or wearezoop.com. Uh, it'll take you right to the campaign page. So if you're having trouble finding it, you can just click there and uh, and find it. Uh, what about you, Sam? Um, do you have a, a Twitter? Do you like to interact with fans directly? I, He's I on the slope. Now, well, I'm an enigma. I have no social media, but when cons come back, I will happily talk to anyone who wants to talk and like, let's chop, let's chop it up about story. That's my, one of my favorite things uh, in the whole world. And my fiance can aggravatingly attest to that. I'm just like, <laughs> will, you will you put down the, can you, can we not, can we hike? Can we go for a hike? So uh, please, you know, when we get to see each other in person, uh tell me you know tell me what you thought about the book and if you got a story on your own let's you know let's talk about it i'm always here to help fantastic i did have one i did have one quick thank you <clears throat> we were very fortunate enough to get um a handful of quotes from very high level comic professionals about the project so they will be on the page as well so i just wanted to give a big thank you to all of them they're all yes. i know how busy they were so it was very nice they took their time out to read the issues and give us um, some very generous quotes. Fantastic. Well, uh, I have a thank you as well. Thank you to you guys uh, for joining me. Uh, no, thank for, you. Thanks for letting me check out the first issue. I can't wait to, uh, I've, uh, at, by the time you guys hear this, all you listeners out there, by the time you hear this, I will have already backed because I definitely want to take advantage of those uh, early bird specials. And I definitely want to read the entire story. So uh, and you don't have to wait. Yeah, exactly. So, once. so awesome. Everything <laughs> Uh, beautiful and, and the nice slipcase. I can't, I can't wait. So uh, again, thanks to, uh, to Sam and John and, and Tish, yeah, even though she had to jump early, I uh, really appreciate the time, everybody. And uh, for you listeners, as always, we thank you for your support and for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can find the comic source podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, Stitcher, Google play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.